Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Nana Boateng was a chief living in a small town right here in Ghana. He was a very cruel and hard-hearted man. The people were all afraid of him and tried to stay away from him. Well, one morning, Nana Boateng woke up and noticed that a small bump was forming on his neck. He called for a boy named Kojo to look at his neck and tell him what it was. It's a sore growing on your neck, Kojo said. Well, Nana Boateng did not want to hear that. That he didn't want to hear that a sore was developing on his neck. So he beat Kojo with a stick. Kojo ran out of the chief's presence crying and went to tell all the other boys in town what had happened. By the afternoon, it was difficult for Nana Boateng to move his neck. He called another boy named Pakisi to tell him what was on his neck. Pakisi looked at Nana Boateng's neck and said, Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry. All is well. Well, Nana Boateng was so happy to hear this that he gave Pakisi a few coins to show his gratitude. Pakisi ran and told all the boys in town. And from that time on, whenever Nana Boateng asked someone to look at his neck, they did not tell him the truth. Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry. All is well, they all said. No one told the chief that a very dangerous boil was developing on his neck. By the evening of the third day, Nana Boateng felt feverish. He called for some medicine, but it was already too late. The infection had spread over his whole body and caused blood poisoning. By the morning of the fourth day, Nana Boateng was dead. Sometimes it's hard for us human beings to accept the truth. It's difficult to listen to things we don't want to hear. We may even become angry with the messenger who brings us a message that is uncomfortable. Nana Boateng didn't want to hear the truth, but listening to the truth is the first step to finding a solution. Hiding from the truth leads to death. Truth can be uncomfortable for all of us, yet when we embrace the truth, it leads us to wisdom, and it's only through wisdom that we can foolproof our lives. That's the powerful lesson in today's sermon. No matter who you are or what you know, none of us have all the wisdom or knowledge we need to foolproof our lives. We all need someone who can see things we can't see to tell us the truth. So today, let's open up our hearts to the truth and take the next step in our journey to foolproof our lives. But before we do that, let's ask God for his help. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come to you in the name of Jesus to ask you for wisdom. You said if we need wisdom, we should ask from you. So Lord, we ask you today to give us wisdom and we ask you to give us hearts that will listen to what you tell us. Give us an understanding today so that we will live in your wisdom and foolproof our lives. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to bring light and life and truth to our hearts as we listen. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, manifest your glory in me, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Truth For Today. It's great to have you with me as we continue our sermon series called Foolproof. This is the fourth week in our journey to discover how to guard our lives and protect ourselves from regret, 
heartbreak, and mistakes. And throughout this series, we've been studying a passage from the Bible found in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. These powerful verses have given us the keys to making wise decisions. So once again, I invite you to join me as we read these verses out loud. Are you ready? Here we go. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We began this series by looking closely at this passage and learning that God commands us to be very careful how we live. The fact is, choices have consequences, and wisdom has rewards. So if we're going to foolproof our lives, we have to make choices in our lives based on wisdom. That's why each week, we've been learning to ask a very simple question in order to foolproof our lives. For every decision, every invitation, every opportunity, and every relationship, the question to ask is, what's the wise thing to do? And specifically, we've been learning to ask it like this, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Two weeks ago, we applied this question to our romantic relationships as we heard the sermon, don't flirt, flee. Then last week in the sermon, time and time again, we applied this question to our time and schedules. We only have one life to live, so we have to count our days and make our days count. We have to use wisdom in choosing what matters most today so that we can achieve our destiny tomorrow. And today we're going to learn to ask this question about another important area of our lives, our decisions. The fact is, if we're honest today, we would all have to admit that we've all made some unwise decisions at various times in our lives. We've done things we wish we hadn't done. And looking back at our past, we ask ourselves, how could I have been so blind? I should have seen it coming. Reminds me of the time a young apprentice pastor named Gabriel was invited to preach his first sermon. Believing that it was more spiritual to preach without notes, he didn't write anything on paper. He was confident of success until he got up in front of the congregation. And when he saw the people looking at him, his mind went blank. He couldn't remember his Bible text or even his topic. And he stood staring at the crowd, shivering in fear. He knew he had to do something quickly, so he decided to try to jog his memory by using positive confession. With a dramatic flair, he lifted his hand in the air and declared boldly, it's coming, and he pounded his fist on the pulpit for emphasis. Well, unfortunately, nothing happened. The text and the topic still didn't come to his mind. He couldn't remember anything. So with a little more force, he shouted a second time, it's coming, and pounded the pulpit even harder. Still, nothing came to mind. Desperate, he decided one more time to name it and claim it, to blab it and grab it. He yelled even louder, it's coming! And this time he really gave the pulpit a big whack. But this time, as he gave the pulpit such a hard hit, a piece of the pulpit broke off and flew across the front of the church. And much to the young preacher's dismay, the piece of pulpit struck an elderly woman in the front row in the head. Horrified, the young man rushed down from the platform to where the woman was sitting and began to apologize profusely. Mama, mama, I'm sorry. That's all right, son, she said. It's not your fault. I should have moved. 
After all, you warned me three times it was coming. Just say, I should have seen it coming. We all have times when we could say, I should have seen it coming. I should have paid attention to what she was telling me. I should have seen that she was pulling away from me. I should have seen his betrayal coming. I should have been more careful with that investment. I should have seen it coming. And the reason we say, I should have seen it coming, is because there were signs. There were facts that were available to us, but we chose to ignore them. We didn't pay attention to the truth because it wasn't pleasant or convenient. We thought if we would ignore the truth, it would go away. But you can't make the truth go away by ignoring it. It only comes back to hit you harder tomorrow. And here's the interesting thing about realizing that you should have seen it coming. If the clues were there to warn you of the danger, then it's most likely that someone else saw it coming too. Someone in your life, a friend, a family member, your pastor, saw what was coming And they would have told you if you had only asked for help. In fact, maybe they did tell you, but you wouldn't listen. For the truth is we all need someone who can see what we don't see. We all need to learn to listen. And that's our first truth today. In order to foolproof your decisions, you have to learn to listen. If you want to foolproof your decisions, you have to learn to listen to others. If you want to safeguard your life from bad decisions, you have to learn to listen to the wise. None of us have all the knowledge or wisdom we need to foolproof our lives. Even the wise among us need help with decisions because we're all tempted to be biased towards the truth. That's what God tells us in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. In other words, every one of us has a tendency to see right and wrong from the lens of our own personal desires and emotions. We cannot trust in ourselves alone to make wise decisions because personal decisions are emotional by nature. Emotionally charged environments are not ideal for decision-making. Our emotions make the obvious less obvious. Have you ever noticed that you often know what your friends should do when they themselves are confused in a situation? You may not be good at managing your money, but you know exactly what someone else should do with their money. If I were to manage your money, I would do a great job at it. I would make you tithe and make you save, and I wouldn't let you spend money on things you don't really need. But when it comes to my own money, I'm tempted to follow my emotions rather than wisdom. I'll do what I wouldn't allow you to do. You may have been terrible at relationships in your own life, but you know exactly what your girlfriend should do. You're confused when it comes to your own marriage, but you can tell your sister what to do with her marriage. Reminds me of the time many years ago, before I was married, I was flying on an airplane somewhere. I remember watching a young married couple with their children. The children were misbehaving, and I was thinking to myself, why don't they just control their children? Why don't they just tell them what to do? Why do they leave them crying like that? Those parents need to take a parenting class. They're terrible parents. When I become a dad, I'll do a much better job. Then one day, I had my own children. I was flying somewhere on an airplane with my children, and my kids were misbehaving. Hey! And some bachelor was sitting on the other side of the airplane saying to himself, why doesn't that dad do something about his children? Why doesn't he control his kids? 
And I was sitting there with a screaming two-year-old and I'm feeling panicked and I didn't know what to do. And I looked over at the bachelor staring at me with the same look I used to look at other dads when I was a bachelor. And I knew what he was thinking. And it hits me. We can easily see what someone else should do, but when it comes to our own decisions, we're confused by our emotions. That's the lesson we learned from the tragic true story of Ya Nimakoa from Sumakese in the eastern region here in Ghana. The 26-year-old lady had been dating a young man named Yao Darko for the past five years, even though her parents were against the relationship. They saw danger signs in the young man, but Yao only saw love and gifts and romance. Then a few years ago on Valentine's Day, Darko asked Yao to go out with him. Her parents attempted to prevent their daughter from going on the date, but she insisted and went with him anyway. Later that night, Darko attempted to rape Ya. When she refused to have sex with him, he went into a fit of rage and stabbed her repeatedly. 26-year-old Ya Nimakoa died on the way to the hospital on Valentine's Day. Because when our emotions are stirred, we can hardly see straight. Emotions fog our judgment, lust, anger, jealousy, insecurity, arrogance. They blind our eyes and twist our hearts. And it's next to impossible to hear the voice of wisdom when your emotions are raging. In fact, we don't even want to know what the wise thing to do is in those moments of emotion. So... What's the wise thing to do when emotions are high and appetites are inflamed? Listen. The wise thing to do is to listen. That's what the wisest man who ever lived taught us. Thousands of years ago, there was a king in Israel named King Solomon. The Bible tells us that this man had more wisdom than anyone who'd ever lived because God gave him that wisdom. People used to come from all around the world to ask him questions and listen to his advice. You may think that since Solomon was so wise, he didn't need to listen to anybody. Yet surprisingly, the wisest man in the world said more about listening to counsel than any other biblical writer. The man who needed counsel the least, King Solomon, spoke and wrote about receiving counsel the most. Why? Why did the man who needed counsel the least speak about it the most? Because the wisest man in the world knew this. There are going to be situations when you aren't going to see trouble coming, but somebody else will. And if you're wise enough to invite wise people into your decision-making process, you will gain the clarity you need to make the right decision and foolproof your life. Listen to what this wise king, King Solomon, said in Proverbs 4, 10 and 11. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. In other words, Solomon is telling all of us that he can teach us wisdom. If you'll only listen and do what he says, we can learn from his experiences and make the right decisions. We can stay on straight paths. That means we can make wise decisions and foolproof our lives when we learn to listen to wisdom. Have you ever heard the phrase, experience is the best teacher? Well, there's a lot of truth in that statement. We can learn a lot from our experience, both good and bad. If we make bad decisions, we can learn from it and do better next time. Reminds me of the story of a young man and a wise man. Once upon a time, a young man went to a wise man and said to him, Oh, wise man, 
where do good decisions come from? To which the wise man replied, good decisions come from experience. And where does experience come from? The young man asked, from bad decisions, replied the wise man. Experience is a good teacher. But if the only way you can learn is from bad decisions, then you're going to pass through a lot of hardships, heartbreaks, and trouble. If the only way you can learn is to make mistakes over and over again and learn from them, you're going to pass through a lot of hurt and regret and pain before you get wisdom. But here's the good news today. You don't have to suffer personally through bad decisions to learn wisdom. You can learn from someone else's experience. Others who know more than you can teach you wisdom. Experience is a good teacher, but it doesn't have to be your experience. It can be other people's experience who can teach you wisdom. This is the problem for a lot of the young people today. You may be educated, you may be intelligent, but you lack experience. You haven't yet experienced the painful consequences of too much debt or of addiction or of a broken marriage. But here's the great thing. You can learn from someone else's experience. You can get wisdom from someone else and their bad decisions. You don't have to try and fail yourself. If you'll listen, you'll hear wise men speaking wisdom to you. Here's one thing wise men will tell you. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. What you want most is a happy, long-lasting marriage. What you want in the moment is a one-night stand. But the one-night stand is the enemy of the happy, long-lasting marriage. All the evidence tells us that couples that sleep together before marriage are less happy than couples that remain pure before marriage. Couples that live together are more likely to get divorced. But you don't need to pass through that pain and learn the lesson the hard way. If you'll listen... You can learn from the wise. What you want most is a successful career. What you want in the moment is to get money from your working place so you can buy a new iPhone. But stealing from your workplace is the enemy of a successful career. If you're caught, you're finished. So a wise person can teach you, don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. See, wisdom allows you to get it right the first time. And many of us would love to go back knowing what we know now and get it right the first time. But you can know what experienced people know now if you listen. You have to listen to someone older. You have to listen to someone wiser. You can have both youth and wisdom, but you have to seek wisdom. That's why Proverbs 9.9 says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser Still, and Proverbs 1.5 teaches us, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. See, wise people recognize what they don't know and listen to those who do. Proverbs 12.15 teaches us, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Tell your neighbor, listen to counsel. So how do we learn to listen? That brings us to our second truth today. In order to listen, you have to unplug your ears. You have to remove the barriers that keep you from listening to wisdom. This truth reminds me of the time I walked into my kitchen a few years ago at my house to ask my son, Kofi, to help me with a task. When I walked into the room, his back was towards me. So I called his name, Kofi, but there was no response. I called again, Kofi, no response. I started feeling angry. My son won't listen to me. So I shouted, Kofi! And then he turned around with a big smile 
and he pulled his earphones out. Were you talking to me, he said. He couldn't hear me because he had his earphones in his ears. In order to hear, he had to unplug his ears. But here's the truth we all need to accept today. Most often, the things that plug our ears and prevent us from listening are not physical obstructions, they're heart attitudes. See, it's possible to hear physically, but still fail to understand. You can listen with your ears, but still miss the truth if you don't listen with your heart. That's why in Mark 4, 23 and 24, Jesus said this, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. In other words, you may be able to hear, but are you listening? Do you understand the message being spoken? Unplug your ears and listen. Reminds me of the story of the two hunters named Kofi and Kwesi. One day they were out in the bush when Kwesi suddenly fell to the ground. He didn't seem to be breathing. He was shaking all over and his eyes rolled back in his head. Kofi started to panic. They were far from the hospital. He didn't know what to do. So he pulled out his mobile phone and called the doctor in the town. Doctor, Kofi cried. My friend Kwesi has fallen to the ground. He's not breathing. What should I do? Take it easy, Kofi, the doctor said. I can help. Just listen to me and follow my instructions. First, is Cressy dead or alive? I don't know, Kofi said. Well, the doctor said, the first thing you have to do is make sure if he's dead. Okay, Kofi replied. There was a short pause, and then suddenly there was the sound of a loud gunshot blast. Kofi came back on the line and said, okay, doctor, I made sure he's dead. Now what? Sometimes it's easy to hear the words without listening to the real message. So what are some attitudes that block you from listening and understanding? Well, first of all, we often don't listen to advice because we already know what the wise people are going to say and we don't want to hear it. This describes the majority of people in the world today. And sadly, it describes a lot of Christians too. We run after any prophet who will give us a good word or a good vision, whether it came from God or not. We hear what we want to hear from anyone who will speak it just to satisfy our own desires. The Bible warns us of this in 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. Listen carefully, for God is describing our churches today when he said these words. A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, their own lusts, and will look for teachers and prophets who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And you can't correct most church people today. If you correct and instruct a lot of Christians today, they'll get offended and leave your church. If you rebuke a Christian for sin, oftentimes they get offended. But we should be seeking the truth that can change our lives and save our souls rather than seeking prophetic utterances that puff us up. Excuse me, but why would God speak to you through a prophet when you refuse to listen to his own son from heaven. Secondly, we often don't listen to advice because we don't think it's anyone's business. That's none of your business, we say, when someone else tries to advise us. Don't judge me. But friends, never forget that private decisions have 
public consequences. The results of your personal decisions are rarely limited to you personally. The results of your private decisions don't stay private. What you defend is nobody else's business will become everybody's business. So let me ask you a question. Is there even one person in your life who can tell you the truth? Is there one pastor, one deacon, one godly man or woman who can advise you and you will listen? Is there anyone, even one godly person, who can tell you no and who can discipline you without you getting angry and offended? That's why we need to heed Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. For if you want to foolproof your decisions, you have to heed Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. See, friends, in reality, we often don't listen to advice because of one simple thing, pride. You don't think you need to listen because you think you already know it all. You're too proud to listen, and you'll end up failing because of your pride. The problem is success leaves us with an inflated sense of our own wisdom. Because we did well in one area, we think we can handle every area. The more successful you are somewhere, the smarter you think you are everywhere. That's what happened to a king in Judah named Amaziah. The Bible tells us that one day King Amaziah went out to battle against a small enemy nation called Edom, and he won a great victory. And because he won a victory over Edom, he decided to attack another bigger nation nearby. But listen to what God says in 2 Kings 14, 10 to 11. You have indeed defeated Edom, and you are proud of it. But be content with your victory and stay at home. Why stir up trouble that will only bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? But Amaziah refused to listen. King Amaziah went out and attacked the bigger nation and he was totally defeated. He was captured, the nation was oppressed, and his capital was damaged because the number one cause of unwise decisions is pride. And the same thing happens to us today. Some people are good at making money, but bad at making friends. Some men are good at making profits, but bad at making a happy home. Some women are good at making business, but bad at making decisions. And because you're successful in one area, you deceive yourself into thinking that you're good at everything. But success in business does not equal success in life. You still have to learn to listen. You're too proud to hear and you're too proud to heed. You don't seek advice. You don't listen when advice is given. You think you know it all. You think you can handle it all. You think your way is the best way so anyone else can take a hike on the highway. But sadly, pride not only keeps us from listening and hearing and heeding, it also keeps us from seeking help when we fail. Let's talk for a moment about how this impacts relationships. Ladies, I'm going to tell you a secret. Have you ever noticed that if a man is successful in business, he won't listen to advice about relationships? Because he's successful in business, he thinks he knows it all. But the funny thing is, if he's a failure, he still won't listen to advice. Here's something you ladies need to understand about men. It's painful for us to listen to advice in the areas where we already feel like a failure. When something reminds a man of his inadequacy, he heads for the door. 
This explains something you've probably noticed with your husband or your boyfriend. If there's an area in his life where he feels inadequate and then you come along, here's what you think. You think, oh, you're not doing so well in this area, so I've got a book about that. I'm going to help you. If you would read this book or go to this seminar, you would do better. You would do better at what you're not doing so well at. And you know what happens? The man resists. He won't read the book. He won't listen to your advice. He won't go to the seminar. Then you start nagging him. Why won't you read that book I gave you? Why won't you go to that marriage seminar with me? Here's why. Because anything that reminds a man of his inadequacy is something he's naturally going to resist, even if it's the solution to his inadequacy. That's what men do. That's why a man may be successful at sales and he'll attend another sales seminar. He's excited about what he's good at. He's excited and interested at what he feels good about. But he's a failure at home and he won't read a marriage book. He won't go to a marriage seminar. So here's our problem. Success in one area intoxicates us. We think we know everything about everything, so we fail to listen to advice. And failure is humiliating. I don't want to talk about that. I'm not going to a counselor. I'm not going to read a stupid book. I'm not going to figure this out. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to get it right myself so I will feel good about myself. And either way, we think we can handle decisions on our own. But God says, no, I didn't design you that way. You were designed to live in community. You need community. You have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. The only way out is to learn to listen. Unplug your ears and open up your heart. And that's our third truth today. In order to unplug your ears, you have to open your heart. The problem with the ears is a problem of the heart. We don't hear because our hearts are hard. That's what Jesus told us in Matthew 13, 14 to 15. Listen carefully to his words. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they've closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Sadly, that's what happened to Solomon. At the end of his life, all his wisdom went to his head. His heart got hard and proud. And at the end of the day, he ignored his own advice and didn't listen to God or to wise counsel. He allowed pride to lift him up and he started to fall. For humility leads to wisdom and wisdom brings humility. Wisdom helps open our eyes so we can see what God sees. Remember our text, Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand. Don't just listen, but understand with your heart what the Lord's will is. For if you understand what God's will is, you'll prove it by listening to advice. You'll show it by humbling yourself and asking for help. You'll seek God. And for every decision, every invitation, every opportunity, and every late relationship, you'll ask yourself, what's the wise thing to do. That's why James 3, 13 to 17 teaches us, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. In order to foolproof your decisions, what's the wise thing to do? Listen. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. 
What's the wise thing to do about my decisions? Listen. Listen, and God will use the voices of wise people to guide you and to guard you. Listen, and God will use wise men and women to help you foolproof your life. Listen, and God will help you avoid regret so that you'll never have to say again, why didn't I see that coming? Unplug your ears. Remove every obstacle keeping you from listening. Humble yourself. Open up your heart to God. Admit you don't know it all. Admit you need help. Admit you need God. Seek his wisdom. Seek his counsel and act on it. For Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. In other words, in the multitude of counselors, there's help. In the multitude of counselors, you will foolproof your life. It's the wise thing to do. Will you be wise? Father, I pray for everyone watching and listening today that you'll unplug our ears and open up our hearts. Help us to humble ourselves. We don't know everything. We don't have all the truth. We don't see everything coming. So help us to learn to listen. First of all, help us to learn to listen to you and your word. Lord, help us not to listen to false prophets and false teachers who prophesy good things that we want to hear but fail to tell us the truth that will really help us and set us free. Help us, Lord, to listen to you and your word. Help us to listen to wise men and women. We humble ourselves before you today. We ask you to give us hearts that will listen so we might gain wisdom to foolproof our lives. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.